Welcome to the Metabolic MD. Health means everything. We all seek optimal health, but most of us do not know how to achieve it. Dr. Paul Kaladze has spent a career in the emergency department. Now, he helps his patients avoid ever ending up there. During these podcasts, you'll learn how you can lose weight and prevent and reverse disease through new technology, a modified diet, and the use of some new recently approved FDA medications. This information is not meant to be medical advice. Please seek consultation from your own medical provider. Let's listen in. Well, welcome back, everybody. This is Terry O'Brien, and I'm here with Dr. Paul Kolazic, as we like to call him, Dr. Colo, and this is a Metabolic MD. It's January 2023, 20, and what do we have on the docket today, Dr. Paul? We're going to talk about fatty liver disease. Oh, my favorite topic, fatty <laughs> liver disease. What, what, what is it about fatty liver disease that makes us worthy of a podcast? Well, fatty, deliver, fatty liver disease is becoming more and more prominent. As you know, I work in the emergency department, get a lot of abdominal CAT scans on patients, sometimes for abdominal pain having nothing to do with the fact that they have fatty liver disease, but we're seeing it in increasing prevalence. So it's becoming an issue for many people because it can evolve into uh, a type of hepatitis and ultimately liver failure. So what are my symptoms if I have fatty liver disease? Primarily, it's just that you have a little bit of pain in your right upper quadrant. Um, but more importantly, you can have no symptoms. You can have no symptoms until your fatty liver disease has progressed significantly. Then what's wrong with having a fatty liver then? Well, what happens is the fat infiltrates your liver, and this relates, as you would guess, uh, Terry, because we talk about it a lot, to higher carb diets. Yeah. But as a result of higher carb diets, you get increased fat deposition in your liver, and that causes a problem for you long term. All right. So if I have fatty liver disease and I have symptoms, what do you recommend people do? What, what, what is it that they need to do? Well, let's first talk about how do you get fatty liver yeah, disease. Okay, so good. I want to go through that process of, you know, we now have, unfortunately, a higher carb diet in the U.S. You know, there is a trend toward lower carb diets, which I think are very helpful. But the reason people have fatty liver disease is not because you eat too much fat. You might think fatty liver disease is because I eat too much fat. But actually what happens is when you eat excessive carbs, those carbs immediately turn into blood glucose in your system. At some point, your muscles and your other organs can't absorb all that, so that extra glucose goes to the liver and gets converted to fat and gets laid down as fatty liver disease. Now, some of that fat goes to the midsection, and that's why a lot of us have pretty big midsections. But that all goes together, the fact that you're gaining weight and the fact that you're getting increased fat in your liver. So if somebody's obese, is it, is it typical they'll have to be fatty liver disease? There is a significant increase in the prevalence of fatty liver disease in obese people. In fact, I looked at the stats in preparation for this podcast, and 24% of overweight Americans have fatty liver disease. So one of the things that as we talk, I just, maybe I'm just confused about, what does the liver do? Um, the liver actually detoxifies. It filters a lot of toxic chemicals out of the blood. And then in return for that, it also then helps create some essential um, body fluids like bile. The bile that sits in your gallbladder helps you dissolve the food in your gut. The liver helps create that. 
Oh, okay. Well, they, they will give it some credit then. Yeah, you, you, you need a liver. You need a functional liver. <laughs> and it used to be the problem um, that we would see most frequently with livers was, well, a person had hepatitis or a person drank too much and had cirrhosis. But now the most prominent reason for liver failure is, of course, fatty liver disease. And how does this tie back to the semi-glutide? Because we've talked about that and how those can help people manage their weight. So does that help people control fatty liver disease by using this medication? Absolutely. So again, about 60% of Americans are overweight. And so this is an increasing issue. In fact, I'm going to mention, I have a friend that is a transplant anesthesiologist at the Cleveland Clinic. And whenever they did their liver transplants previously, it was also, it was always related to hepatitis C or cirrhosis. And now the number one reason that people require liver transplants is for fatty liver disease. And how common is liver transplant? Uh, it's relatively rare, but fatty liver disease is becoming increasingly common as the obesity epidemic in the United States becomes more prevalent. Again, 60% of Americans overweight, and so the likelihood of more and more people having fatty liver disease becomes a big issue. And you're saying it's prevalent because of the diet has changed over time? Yeah, basically it's because, and we've talked about this before, you know, we have a carbohydrate-rich diet now. And again, that those carbs end up forming blood glucose in your system, and that gets converted to fat. So the obesity epidemic and fatty liver disease go hand in hand. But it has nothing to do with being uh, drinking heavily or using alcohol? No, it's this is an independent type of liver problem. It has nothing to do with alcohol, has nothing to do with, you know, getting using a needle and getting hepatitis. Um, it's just because we've eaten too many carbohydrates, we've gotten overweight or obese, and that extra fat is being deposited in our liver and it's destroying liver tissue. What's the difference between fatty liver disease and sclerosis of the liver? Um, you can eventually get sclerosis of the liver from fatty liver disease, but sclerosis is a general term. It just means scarring in general. Okay. So you can get sclerosis from uh, alcoholic cirrhosis or from hepatitis, but you can also get it from fatty liver disease. And can I reverse my fatty liver disease? You can reverse your fatty liver disease. And the best approach to that is through weight loss. So again, okay. in the emergency department, I'll get an incidental CAT scan on somebody and we'll see that they have fatty liver disease. Sometimes also the blood test that helps sort that out is a test called liver enzymes. So if your doctor orders a liver enzyme panel on you and you have some of your liver enzymes that are up, then that can be a source. I'm going to mention that, that increasingly when I get blood tests too, I see patients that have fatty liver disease um, because of the increased obesity and people generally are not aware of that. So, so when I get my blood test back from my doctor, he'll send me this profile that lists a thousand things and you know have a range whether I'm in range or out of range. What is the thing that I look for for fatty liver disease? Um, it is called liver enzymes and the abbreviations for those are ALT, AST, and the term ALKPHOS, A-L-K-P-H-O-S. It's those three items that you look at to see if you might have fatty liver disease. And again, when those use, when I used to see those elevated, it was generally related to a patient that had an alcoholic problem. Right. Um, but now, more often, it's just you know an elevation related to fatty liver disease. Okay. So, uh, 
do you do scanning to, to make sure they have a fat? Is there some something that shows up on an X-ray or an yeah. MRI? Or? So when we do routine uh, CAT scans, it often shows up there, but it also can be found by an MRI or actually an ultrasound. So if there's a suspicion for fatty liver disease based on elevated liver enzymes, one of those imaging studies is often the next test. All right. So I go to my doctor. He says, Terry, I got fatty liver disease. What's he going to do for me? What, what is what is the normal doctor going to say? Take this medication, do this. What would he tell me? Well, I think the answer to that question more is what are you going to do for yourself? Okay. okay? Yeah. Because almost invariably your fatty liver disease is going to be associated with obesity. Uh, you know, a BMI of 30 or higher, sometimes a BMI just of 28 or higher. By BMI, I mean body mass index. Right. Um, so you gradually over time through diet, unfortunately not a low carb diet, probably, probably a diet that is heavy in carbs, you've gained weight, you've now got this fatty infiltration in your liver, and you got to think about, first of all, lifestyle changes that are going to reverse that. Now, there are medications, and we're going to talk about semaglutide that can help, but the first thing I believe people need to do is focus on a weight loss plan that includes a low-carb diet. You know, with our patients, we provide, you know, guidance usually to about 50 grams a day of a low-carb diet. We mix in some intermittent fasting, but then we also talk about semaglutide now because it can be helpful in reversing this process. This is Wigovi, Ozembic, semaglutide, the new FDA-approved weight loss medications. They are all the same medication. So what, what I'm hearing you say, and I just want to make sure I got this right, that you would the prescription you kind of recommend would be to, to lose weight through the help of these medications. Is there something like a statin for fatty liver disease, you know what I mean, that, that, that helps you no. There's nothing on the market like that. Yeah, no, a statin. There's really no other medications. It's really you rolling up your sleeves with diet and lifestyle changes and then adding the semaglutide into that. And I'm going to mention that, that when patients come to me and they have fatty liver disease, the, the medicine is something we use, but it's not what we call first line. You know, we sit down and we talk about what are the lifestyle changes that are necessary for you to get rid of this disease permanently. Um, and that includes what we just talked about. We often use, as we've talked before, the continuous glucose monitors. Right, yep, love yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, even in non-diabetics and pre-diabetics to help guide diet. What we want to do, again, is lower that blood glucose in the system so there's not so much blood glucose going to the liver um, and causing fatty liver disease. In fact, we want to reverse that process. We want to lower the glucose enough so that the organs, let's say your muscles, are looking around for more energy. And what's what's the energy, the other energy source they're looking for instead of glucose? Well, it's fatty acids. So they're looking down at that visceral fat in the middle of your body, and they're looking at that fat that's been stored in your liver, and, they, and they're saying, hey, we need that energy. We're going to pull that out as fatty acids and use it for energy, and then that helps reduce your fatty liver issue. So if you if you're walking through a mall and, and you spot somebody who's overweight, What's the odds of them having fatty liver disease? 24% of obese Americans have fatty liver disease. 24? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a lot more than I thought. Okay. Yeah, it's significant. And, and the reason this is a little bit of a focus for me is that I didn't used to see this. You know, 20, 25 years ago, you would see it occasionally. Right. And now uh, I see it frequently, both in my patients in the emergency department and, of course, the weight loss patients that come to my practice.
Yeah, just it sounds kind of like if you're a kid on the playground, hey, you got fatty liver disease, right? It just sounds like one of those kind of playful things, but it's really serious, serious situation. It's it's very serious. Again, people end up progressing to liver failure as a result of this. Talking about the semaglutide, uh, remember we've talked about this before. It has three mechanisms of action to help with weight loss. One is is that it has a central activity in the brain and the hypothalamus to decrease hunger. The other other is that it, um, it slows gastric emptying, so you stay full or longer. Your stomach stays full or longer because it doesn't empty as quickly. But the important um, mechanism of action in the case of fatty liver disease is that it helps you lower blood glucose. And if you're lower in blood glucose, again, your body is turning to fatty acids as a sort of, of energy, and you're going to pull some of that fat out of your liver. So as a diabetic, which I proudly admit... Uh, do I have, if I have high, I'm not that overweight, right? I'm, I'm a pretty normal guy. What, what's the odds of me having fatty liver disease because I have higher glu- glucose levels? Well, I don't know the exact stats, but your risk is certainly higher because okay. your glucose levels are higher. And that's why, you know, if you're, if you're diabetic, you want to work with your physician to keep your blood glucose under as good a control as you can. Right. And Terry, I got to tell you, as you and I have talked before, <laughs> you know, I'm on you about your diet at times, as you, as, you diet. Will, as you well know. So, again, the first line is uh, diet, and I think intermittent fasting helps a lot with that. Um, but then you got to manage your blood sugar as well. Okay. So, uh, have we covered how do you reverse it? We talked about the semiglutides, but is there other ways other than just, is, does exercise help? Yeah, exercise helps because it can help lower insulin resistance. And we've talked previously about preferential types of exercise. Right. I do believe in cardiovascular exercise, but in this case, a lot of people that have fatty liver disease also have this problem with insulin resistance. Diabetics have insulin resistance. Right. That's because your blood sugar has been higher, your pancreas is kicking out a lot of insulin, um, trying to force that blood glucose into your muscles. The muscles at some point say, we've got enough energy, we don't need any more energy, and that's when the blood glucose rises. So yeah, you want to address insulin resistance, and you know, actually uh, intermittent fasting can help with that. All right, so as we kind of wind this thing out, I want to make sure we've covered the important things. You, you can reverse this. You can reverse it, absolutely. And it can be done through diet. And what, what is this fasting thing? I, I don't quite understand this. I've heard some different things recently about fasting being good or bad. Okay. So tell me what your thoughts are on fasting. I think fasting <laughs> is great for anybody that has insulin resistance. And the majority of overweight Americans, 60% of Americans are overweight. The majority of overweight Americans have insulin resistance. So fasting is important because if you're fasting, you're pancreas is not kicking out insulin so the overall insulin level in your body is lowered and that helps decrease insulin resistance so this all plays together the issue of how much insulin your pancreas produces how much your organs resist insulin and what's having with your blood glucose and what we want to do is prevent the blood glucose extra blood glucose from going to the liver and forming fat and again we actually want to reverse that in process so we lower the blood glucose and the fat 
comes out of the liver. All right. So this is not, we're not going on a hunger strike for days. We're talking, you don't eat from after six o'clock at night till next morning or something like that. Yeah. Let me give you a typical idea of the patients that come to me. Some patients come to me and they've never fasted before, you know, over, overnight for nine or 10 hours might be the most that they have ever fasted. And obviously when you wake up in the morning and you eat Break fast. Break fast, actually. Break fast. Break fast, that's right. It means you've broken your fast. But I start most of my patients out on, you know, 12 hours. Let's see if we can just do 12 hours. Eat your, you know, last bite in the evening at 8 p.m., which actually also helps when they agree to do that with evening binge eating. Yeah. You know, you're cutting things off at 8 o'clock. Um, and then, you know, let's not eat anything until 8 o'clock in the morning. And most of them start there. And then most people find how surprisingly easy that. I, I, I didn't realize, but I don't really eat after seven o'clock. Yeah. I, mean, I seldom go get anything. It's, it's some juice, maybe, but that's about it. Yeah. And then occasionally, depending upon people's work situation, if they can grab a bite to eat instead of getting breakfast before they go to work, grab a bite to eat at work, it's like, oh, let's kick this back to 14 hours. So why don't you try 14 hours? And then maybe a day or a week or a couple days a week, they might try 16 hours. And then some people just really, really get into it and they're doing routinely. 14 hours, but then, you know, they might want to do a 20-hour fast. All right, so let's talk about this. So uh, let's say I fast for 16 hours, and man, I'm hungry. Aren't I just going to overcompensate? No, actually, by decreasing the amount of insulin resist insulin in your system, you actually crave foods less. You accommodate to that. Um, and I'm going to go back to really what happened historically with, with our ancestors, you know. There were famines and people didn't eat for a period of time. And there were hunts that did not go so good and food was not as accessible. Right. So actually what happens over a period of time is you fast and you decrease the amount of insulin in your system, you become less hungry and have fewer cravings. And of course, I believe if you couple your fasting with a low carb diet, it makes that even easier. All right. Well, that's fascinating. So. Uh, we talked about strength training. We talked about the medicines for weight loss. Is there anything we've left off this podcast about fatty liver disease and semi-glutides we should cover? No, other than I, I want people to be aware that if you're overweight, this is a risk. A good screening approach is the blood tests that we talked about. I also think you ought to be assessed for insulin resistance at that time, which is pretty easy to do, a fasting insulin level. But you want to get out in front of this early on because most of the patients I initially see with fatty liver disease just have this mild liver enzyme elevation. Right. But then, of course, it can progress down the road to uh, potentially liver failure. And think about it. If you're reversing your fatty liver disease, you're also losing weight and you're improving your other overall health as well. Your hypertension, um, your cholesterol level. And, you know, as your weight goes down, even the, that nagging discomfort in your back and in your knees. Oh. So it's really kind of a comprehensive approach. But fatty liver disease is an important piece. All right. Well, I think this kind of wraps up our, our topic here on fatty liver disease. I want to thank you all for joining us today with the Metabolic MD with Dr. Paul Kolosik, R-A-K-A, Dr. Colo. Thank you, Dr. Colo. Thanks a lot, Terry. We'll see you guys soon. Dr. Paul Kolodzik. Please join us again for the next episode to hear how your metabolic health means everything and to learn tips on how to lose weight and possibly reverse some serious health conditions. This information is not meant to be medical advice. Please seek consultation from your own medical professional. 